We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, November 4th, 2016. Three Amigos are back. It's been a few weeks. Yep, but we're back. Shannon, Ken, and DJ here with you on this Friday. This podcast. Hello, sir. Yes, I love it. That whistle. Get it in some more, Ken. Let's go. Let's heavy whistle down. There we go. All right. This go. podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. It's also available on Audio Boom and directly on the Rotowire website itself. Please leave a nice review on one of those venues. We got a lot to get to, so let's just jump into it. Last night, did you guys stay up and watch the whole Warriors Thunder game? I know I did, and I ended up crying myself to sleep. Um, so I'm looking for bipartisan advice here because I, for the oh. first time since Katie left, my state of Oklahoma to go to Golden State. Uh, I'm salty uh. for the very first time. I, I played it cool for a while, but right now, I'm not loving the Warriors at all. Well, full confession, DJ, I'm a very old man, and I was with the original Rotowire team that started in Wrigleyville, where Rotowire was started. And so I was up to like three and three, four in the morning watching everything Cub Wednesday. So 
I didn't have the stamina for the full game last night. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't. I didn't stay up for the full game because it was a blowout, and I didn't feel the need yeah. to. Um, but I did tune <laughs> in because I I was in the minority. I was actually more excited about OKC Golden, Golden State than I was Game Seven of the World <laughs> Series, um, which is ridiculous, and I'll fully admit that. But I was too. I was too. But. Well, you never you never lived in Wrigleyville. I mean, you know, if you if you lived if when you could if you could hear Wrigley Field from your back porch, you would have been into the World Series. But uh, I was into it. You're a Tigers yeah. fan, which I is was, fine. I was into it. I was rooting for the Cubs. But to me, I mean, ever since KD made made the decision to sign with the Warriors, I mean, this this game, every NBA fan marked it on their calendar. Yeah. So it it, it was must watch TV for me. Uh, the Cubs Cubs game, you know, World Series games have the same thing, but. But this was was one A and that was one B for me. I'm salty. I'm sad. I don't like. I, I you should be. I, you should be. That's what it's all about. Player movement. I know. I think I just like tried to play it too cool the whole time. But like when I was watching <laughs> that game, like I've never been more fond of Westbrook, more fond of Stephen Adams, and I yeah. felt like a small market was just getting stepped on, like for the very first time, and it just felt. Like well, a rush, uh, like ser- like a serious rush of emotion of just like sadness and a little bit of rage that this is unfair. And I thought that for the very first time last night. Well, clearly the Westbrook, you know, signing him three years, no brainer. How do you feel about them locking up Adams and Aladipo? I mean, it's a poor man's compensation for Durant, but I mean, I guess I like it because you know, like Adams last night, he was going to work down in the post at the beginning of that game. Like he, I mean, yeah. and he's still learning. He's still learning how to play in the NBA. Oladipo is really solid. I think he, you know, Oklahoma City's hand was forced because those are the best two options available to them. I mean, ideally, I think um, somebody else would complement um, Westbrook a little better in the backcourt but we're we're they're still trying to figure things out here i'm i'm not uh i don't know ken i'm not ready to give that answer well you know just remember most nba teams would kill for one superstar right you guys had two for a while count your blessings four a lot of people like to share the the picture of abaco westbrook harden and durant last night and that was that was hard to look at (laughs) as a thunder fan are you more upset about durant leaving or harden getting traded and what you would have had if they kept those three together those four counting abaca together oh man there's not enough basketballs to have those four all on the same team i mean i from outsider perspective i think the harden things more infuriating because mm. they would have had multiple championships if they kept them. Yeah, I, or 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 even if just the trade was more even, you know. Yeah, Jeremy Lamb, really? Jeremy Lamb, Kevin Martin was basically like the biggest <laughs> piece coming back, and and he right. didn't work out at all. I, I remember, I I do remember the night uh, in the my friend's apartment, the room in the apartment when Harden got traded. I was dumbfounded when that happened. So I think I'm I'm still more shocked. Um, maybe because you had a little more, like we were kind of waiting for Durant. Like it seemed like we were waiting more for his decision to happen for a couple of years than, than Harden getting trading. I just kind of thought they would work it out because they were knocking on the door. Why would you want to leave that situation? Um, so yeah, I think you're right, Shannon, that I, I'm a little more dumbfounded about Harden leaving, especially because like allegedly he wrote this letter to Sam Presti in the Thunder when he was, you know, in the draft process or, or something like that to the effect of, you know, I've never been a superstar. I do like playing off another a role star, like a six man off the bench is kind of like like where I'd like to fit in in the NBA. Allegedly, a, writer, a, a letter to that extent was written at one point. So the fact that 
he wanted to leave and be the face of a, a franchise seemed um, seemed kind of odd, like it went against everything that I thought he stood for. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to look back. I mean, this is going to be an ESPN 30 for 30, and it's going to be one of the more interesting ones in like 15 years. I mean, we're going to look at this even in five years and say, those four players played on the same team, and they didn't eke out a championship. Even, <laughs> at, even when one of them got hurt, three of them should have carried that team to a title at some point. Well, there's, well, a, there's a very good chance this season – that Westbrook, Harden, and Durant are all top five MVP Gosh. guys at the end yeah. of the year. Yeah. On, the, on the flip side of that, we may also be learning that Serge Ibaka really overrated when he was with the Thunder. He's possibly. dead to me. He's dead to me after last night. Ooh. You know what? It, it's kind of funny because those three guys that we've been talking about were firing on all cylinders, and we were waiting for Ibaka to develop an offensive game waiting 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 and then we're just like oh you know what he's just getting stifled because he's got three top five caliber players on the team turns out he just doesn't really have an offensive game i mean vucevic and biombo are getting more run than that guy or more production it seems uh, we'll see how that plays out but yeah he's dead to you shannon he's just i mean from a if i own him in a season-long league that's fine i'm going to continue to run him out there plug him into the lineup but He's just been so poor this year. And last night, followed up with what I consider a stinker. He only had three rebounds. Yeah, he scored 17 points. But three rebounds and one block. If you, dra- mm-hmm. if you drafted Ibaka, you needed more rebounds. You know, you want two blocks from him. So 17-3-1, that's not getting it done. Uh, even though he's vastly discounted in, like, DFS, for instance, it's, I'm going to have a hard time plugging him into my lineup going forward. Yep, that's fair. Ken, yep. we talked about my team. Let's talk about yours. Jalen Brown started last night. Was this a coming out party for him in Cleveland, guarding LeBron? Maybe so. I mean, uh, at least some strong indications. Now, first off, uh, Crowder is uh, out for two weeks with an ankle issue. So uh, the hand was played. It wasn't like Brown suddenly earned his way up the death chart. Uh, with uh, Crowder out, Celtics had to do something. Some people were calling for Marcus Smart to to play at the three, which I thought was kind of crazy. I don't know why you'd start small. Um, but uh, I just love the fact that before the game started, Jalen Brown said, I want to guard LeBron. And he wasn't saying he wasn't cocky. He just said, look, LeBron's the best. If you're going to make it in this league. You've got to measure yourself up against the best players. Certainly wasn't showing any fear. Now, Cavs, the, the final score is a little misleading. The Cavs are pretty were leading th- for most all of the second half. Uh, they really earned their lead in the second quarter. So in some ways, Celtics were always playing from behind, and I don't, you know, the Cavs weren't playing probably a hundred percent lockdown D because they didn't need to. But still, uh, boy, exciting to see this from Brown. Uh, you know, the pedigree—he's only twenty, but the, the upside could be there. Crowder's pl- come off the bench before in his career. If he keeps blowing up, I mean, 19 points, three threes. He shot 50% from the field, and it's the shooting percentage, like with most rookies, that you get worried about. But also adds three steals on a block, two assists. You just fill up fill up the box score. Um, so it's just exciting. I'm probably horribly overexcited as a Celtics fan. Uh, they still, as I said, lost to the Cavs. But, uh, boy, Brown, there's potential, right? Yeah, there, there's definitely potential, and... As a Celtics fan, I could understand why one would be excited. Now, there are a couple things that I think every any, anyone who's like running to the fantasy waiver wire to pick up Jalen Brown this morning, a couple things they should take note of. I mean, one, he, he ended up with a great line. 
But the problem is, and most of that production came in the, in the fourth quarter. They were down. The Celtics were down by 17 yeah. points entering yeah. the fourth quarter. Cleveland essentially had packed it in by that point. So, I mean, Brown's production, if you look at it at the end of the third quarter, wasn't nearly as impressive. You know, he had a plus, plus 15 rating on the floor, but again, plus a, yeah. like plus 10 or plus 11 of that came in the fourth quarter when Cleveland were sitting most of their starters. It's just hard for like- me. Similar to your Jacksonville Jaguars putting up meaningless touchdowns at the yeah. end of games. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the end result was Boston lost. So yep. and this is a, this is a competitive, um, good Boston team that's going to win more games than they lose. Yeah. And well, was- remember, without Horford, without Crowder, so missing two fifths of their starting lineup. Yes. Uh, I'm not surprised they got spanked by the Cavs. And you know, obviously, sample size of one is ridiculous. Yeah, but I, uh, it, it, he's worth picking up. And my, I guess my my thought is, okay, let's say they play under five hundred ball these next two weeks while Crowder's out. Yeah. Then I think Crowder just immediately steps back into his yep. starting role. If if they're yep. winning and Jalen Brown plays like he did last night, nineteen yep. five two three steals, three threes, one block, great all around fantasy game. If he continues to play that way and they win. He might be the starter for the rest of the season, or they'll start two small forwards. You know, they'll move Amir Johnson to the bench and start yep. Jalen Brown and Crowder. Well, I think you'll see Stevens do both because uh, he likes to mix up his lineups versus who he's playing. Uh, another point with Horford out, too. I mean, everybody had to pitch in extra. Bradley got 10 rebounds. That's not going to happen when Horford's back. Horford uh, in concussion protocol, hopefully back Sunday, if not then, uh, then Monday, Tuesday when they play next. But, uh, yeah, I'm overly excited. Uh, certainly, though, if you've got bench space in a season long, there's potential here. Yes. You know, it's, it beats the heck out of a uh, – I don't know why Marvin Williams is coming to mind. But, you know, that dull old guys, this is the guy you take a flyer on because what the heck. Yeah, I'm with you, Ken. I would take a flyer on him. Um, Ten team leagues, maybe not. I mean, you would yeah, have Yeah, maybe not ten. Yeah. It, depend, it just depends on who you have on your bench. Um, I mean, if you have a legit top 100 fantasy player that you'd be cutting in for Jalen Brown, I don't think I would go that far. But if you're talking about a one, you know, 100 to 150 guy who's kind of a fringe player and in and might be on that waiver wire later anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're talking about uh, Toledovic or or Delvadova, that type of player, yeah, I'm cutting them for Jalen Brown because the upside's higher. Whoa, really, Delvadova? So Delavadova has a sturdy role. We know what it's going to be all season long. You're willing to forgo that for a rookie who, even if he does see minutes, we're not completely certain. Because let's not get ahead of ourselves, guys. Uh, you know, we're only five games into the season. We're not. Our job is to get ahead of ourselves. I, I, I get it, but I. <laughs> may, so so right now you you would drop Delavadova or Toledovich for Jalen Brown. Yes, tell Toledovich has been crap so far. Della Vadova, these are just two guys who are on my bench in my sure. one Yahoo league. That's why. That's I, one of the reasons why I threw them good, out there. This is a good comparison. I, th- I think that this is right about the tipping point where I'm going to stay, but you're going to fall, but I don't think either of us is too off guard. Yeah, to- yeah. Toledovich, that, that's a no-brainer in my opinion. Now, Della Vadova... Only 15 minutes for Toledovich last night, exactly, which is a yeah. puzzler since they have no outside shooting, and Tony Snell, I don't know how... You know, I don't know. I'm I'm actually cutting Bay and Toledovich in deeper leagues, um, yeah. But Della Vadova, I like him. I like what he's done. But since Tony Snell has come on board, his minutes have started to shrink. He he topped 30 minutes in back-to-back games, uh, the second and third game of the season. Now he's he's had 29 minutes, 
24 minutes last night. The, the one common theme for both of those games is Tony Snell started, and he played well both nights. Tony Snell is more of a, a shooting guard than Del Vadova is. Del Vadova was an undersized shooting guard. I know he's, he's their point guard, you know, in quotes, but for all intents and purposes, he's basically their shooting guard. I, I don't know. He's doing well. You know, 10 points, six assists. That's really good production. I just think it's going to be closer to the production we've seen the past two games instead of the first three when he played even better. Yeah, that, that, those are all fair points. Milwaukee's such a hard team to figure out. I mean, Greg Monroe sees the majority of minutes at center, but actually Miles Plumley starts. But actually, John Henson has the best per 36 minutes of any center in the league over the last four years and all this all this stuff you can talk about. I don't know if that's actually true, but we've, we've always wanted John Henson to see a lot of minutes because he can do a lot with them. Let's move on from this, though. Uh, quickly, I'll just say real, um, that Drew Holiday – uh, it's hopeful that he'll be able to return to the team around mid-November. Don't want to talk about this too much. As soon mm-hmm. as he joins the team and is there, he's going to see a lot of minutes, and obviously mm-hmm. that's going to cut into Tim Frazier, Etwan Moore's time on the court. Do, does that does that mean Tim Frazier owners? Because I'm not as high on Tim Frazier as most people seem to be. Um, to me, that means if, if, if Drew Holiday's back in two weeks, or mid, mid-November could be next week, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm trying to trade Tim Frazier for oh, almost anything right now. Yes. Oh, no, well, and the thing in which I got to remember when guys come back from personal issues versus an injury, it's not like it's going to be a, uh, you know, he's got to rehab his way, and you know, he, right. he's probably not in top game shape, but he's probably still been. They're so out. dreadful. He's yeah, he's probably still working out. They're so dreadful. They're going to throw immediately huge minutes at him. Um, I'm with you on to trade Frazier now. It, yeah, if you and I'm going to be frank here. If you can find anybody dumb enough to trade <laughs> that you can trade tra- Fraser to, do it. Um, I'm concerned already um, without Holiday even back. He only saw Fraser. That is only saw 15 minutes against Memphis. He seemed healthy. The game was close. I, I'm not sure entirely what happened there. So I'm a I'm I've, I'm never comfortable with Fraser because no team has ever committed to Fraser. And so I I, I had this debate. Uh, with my brother on our way to basketball the other night mm-hmm. um, and we were debating Tim Frazier and I, I was talking about why I, I I basically my debate my my argument is that the first like three four games of the season he had three of the best four games of his career like he will <laughs> never do that again that will be the yeah. best stretch of his career ever um, I, I would immediately try to trade him or even start looking for for options on the waiver wire to drop them after you know maybe maybe for this next pickup period definitely the pickup period after that well that leads nicely to our last news item which is uh, jeremy lynn out two weeks with hamstrings and i think with hamstrings um our friend over at espn oh i'm blanking on her name oh my gosh stefania stefania bell stefania bell. bell um she always says you can never predict when hamstring injuries are really going to be cured so uh, you know two weeks could just be a guess with lynn is Vasquez, who's also out on ankle, but hopefully coming back tonight, is he an option? Would you would you drop Frazier for uh, Vasquez in Brooklyn? I would not, and I'm actually not that high on Vasquez or, or Isaiah Whitehead's another guy in Brooklyn. Um, you know, if Vasquez isn't able to return, Whitehead might get the start. The guy I like is Sean Kilpatrick, um, and and the game the other on was that Wednesday night, I believe, was the night Lynn left um, due to the injury. Kilpatrick got extra run. He's already been he's already been getting pretty significant run, mid twenty minutes off the off the Nets bench, and he's been really productive with it. Um, he stepped that up 
on Wednesday night after Lynn went out. He played some minutes over at point guard. That's the guy I like. I've already got um, fab bids in for him um, in multiple leagues. Yeah, nice. I mean, if you look at our, our depth charts on Rotowire right now, you're going to see Jeremy Lin with a line through his name, Grievous Vasquez with a line through his name, because Vasquez <laughs> is not going to return tonight, Ken, with that ankle inj- or injury. It wasn't mm. he's not coming back. And then you're going to see, technically, as the top point guard for Brooklyn right now is Isaiah Whitehead. He's a rookie. He's really raw to begin with. Brooklyn, can't shoot a lick. Yeah, can't shoot a lick. Brooklyn <laughs> essentially took a flyer on him. They're leaning on Sean Kilpatrick, who's been in the league now for this is his third year, for at least a little bit of experience. He's excelling, like Shannon said. Look over to shooting guard because Sean Kilpatrick is actually the guy that's going to get a little more run because of these injuries, and he's already proven that he can produce during those added He can minutes. fill it up. He can, he fill, can it up. fill it up. Yeah. I mean, for a bad team, but he can fill right. it up. On Wednesday, like you said, Shannon, uh, if you looked at some of the winning lineups on FanDuel, he was included on a lot of those winning lineups because his price, and I think he got you, I think it was like 40 to 43 points. And so uh, something that we can really expect out of him every single night because they're so they're – so, uh, so injured in the backcourt. Uh, but also like to see him enjoying a Guinness before the game starts. Yeah, yeah. With, with that name, Sean Kilpatrick. African-American, but still, I would like to see him enjoying a Guinness. Yeah, it, it's fair to say, this has been said on the pod before, Sean Kilpatrick, Kylo Quinn seem like a couple of Irish guys. <laughs> they're not Irish guys. Not it's, Irish guys, but I'd still deserve a Guinness, a delicious Guinness. Um, so, Ken, uh, just so you know, Kilpatrick not available in the NFBKC. Uh, Probably okay. scooped you heard my last weeks. Yeah, I heard you typing. So you heard me typing away. Jalen, yeah, Jalen yeah. Brown is available though, so you need to decide who we, who we're going to drop and how much we're bid. You already called it. Teletovich. Teletovich. You know I can't say Teletovich. I still can't say. Well, there I got one. There's I can't. I can't do it right. All right, let's go on to some broader topics here. Specifically, there's two I would like to talk about as I, as I usher us as far away from um, what we were just talking about as possible. Let's talk about the Balkan you know, duo. In I'm, like, I'm like the Pete Rose. I'm like Pete Rose in that uh, interesting Fox coverage of the World Series. Just the guy who can't pronounce names properly. You better Says wear... Says things like he's drunk. You better wear an ugly-ass bow tie the next time we hang out. <laughs> That's all I'm going to wear. <laughs> uh, now, now I'm just like trying to make an Alex Rodriguez comparison to Shannon, uh, but I can't. I can't do it. All right, the Balkan duo. We're going to talk about this Balkan duo, damn it. Yes, right. ah, it's driving me crazy. Denver Nuggets, big men. Joseph Nurkic. Uh, Dirty Nurkic. Nurkic is getting more playing time over Nikola Jokic. So here's a couple and names more for shots, you to butcher, And Ken. more Ah, driving me crazy. Yeah, I mean, it seemed coming into this season that Jokic, not only was he going to take you know take the front court by the horns in Denver mm-hmm. and run with it after mm-hmm. that impressive Olympics, not only has that not happened, but it's it's been going to jo- or to Nurkic. They've been leaning on him at center most most more so than Jokic. Now it was originally thought that these two guys would play alongside each other. The beat writers out of Denver are already like all over it, saying that that is not really the best of ideas. And um, it seems like the coaching staff has already noticed that as well. And Nurkic is getting the majority of minutes. Mm-hmm. Are we at the point where you're going to cut bait on the Jokic oh. potential, Shannon? No, that's silly. That absolutely silly. Last night was the first night he didn't play over twenty minutes. Um, I'm going to assume it was mostly matchup based. Um, 
you know, maybe maybe he had some trouble with with Gorgie Jang at the power forward spot. I know Jang actually had a really bad game as well. Bad game, um, yeah. But for the 14 minutes Jokic did play, he was great. He was three for three from the field, eight points, five assists, three rebounds. The assist is actually the big part. That's the thing. He's one of the better passing big men in the NBA. Yep. Didn't um, take any threes, unfortunately. No, no, he didn't last night. But I mean, he's he's took eight through th- through four games, so he's still he is out there chucking them up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I personally believe Jokic is the more well-rounded and better player of the two, um, because he has the range. He can hit three pointers, and because of his passing ability, he's not as good. Probably not as good at, at defense as, as Nurkic, but. And, and not as good of a rebounder, still a good rebounder in his own, own right, as evidenced by the 17 rebounds he pulled down a, a week ago. But he's he, he's he's the better overall player. He's averaging 12 and eight. I'm keeping him, not cutting him. And there's you'd have to well, be in like an eight team league to even consider. Yeah, him. you and can't cut him. Probably not worth it. Okay. But it, but but now you have to think about benching him if you're in a you know a week to week lineup. If his games are down, he's no longer he's not a no brainer anymore. If he's got two or three in a, in a game you know, in a week, you have to think about benching him for other options. I I just I liked Jokic because I assumed Nurkic couldn't stay healthy, and that's still certainly a possibility. Dirty. It's a possibility with both of those guys, really. Yeah, I'm high yeah. on both. I love both. I think they're both going to be productive. I don't think they work well together, so it's going to end up capping them. Essentially, they're both going to be stuck between 25 and 30 minutes game. Um, don't expect Jokic to fall under to play 14 minutes like he and did Jokic, last night. And Jokic played 80 games last week. I don't think he's our last year. I don't think he's nearly the injury risk. Sure. Yeah. I, I basically, this just shows that you know Jokic is still going to have big games. He had a 23.17 rebound game. He's still going to have those big games. He's just not going to have the consistency that most people want. But I believe at the end of the year, he'll be close to his projections. Nobody was projecting him to average 18 and 12. Most of his projections were like 13, 14 points, 7, 8 rebounds, you know, 27, 28 minutes. I think he's still going to come close to his projections. Let's quickly you, no, come trade deadline. Do one of those guys get moved? I mean, They've that got whole, that whole team needs to be thinned out a little bit. I, I think they're playing yeah. out and seeing what they like. They already moved Joffrey Laverne because they were even deeper coming into the season. Yeah, and they know. moved Laverne to I Oklahoma know. City. Laverne got a, quite a few minutes last night uh, with Oklahoma City, for better or worse. Uh, I think they still need to, to thin it out a little more. Let's talk about another front court that needs to be thinned out. Everybody knows it. Oh, but for please. some reason, they brought on Ursan Ilyasova. And of course, I'm talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. It seems clear, Ken, that. Philadelphia is going to have to trade somebody in their front court. Who do you think it should be? Dario Saric, Jalil Okafor, Ursan, well, we're going to exclude Ilyasova, Nerlens Noel, um, or Joel Embiid. And let me preface this by saying it seems like Embiid is locked into Philadelphia. Not only does yeah, he seem like yeah. the best front court option, but the town is in absolute love with him. They, I mean, they just love yeah. him to pieces. And let's not forget that, oh, yeah, Ben Simmons plays a little bit of power forward himself. Right. I mean, uh, I'm not sure Philly decides. I think it's whoever comes to them with interest in a particular player, um, you know, whoever that trade partner might be. I'm with you. You beat me to the punch on Embiid. Seems like he's going to stay. I totally agree. Uh, And frankly, every good game Embiid has, it's it's taking the shine off Okafor and Noel. Uh, So I I think they're going to get a lot of low ball offers. They're going to continue to get low ball offers for those two. It's clear they don't 
I don't see any signs that Okafor Noel or Embiid will play well together. Um, I, but I actually like to back up, especially DJ with your thunder. Why do the Sixers make that deal giving away Grant? I don't, I don't understand that deal at all. Grant was, there's no way Grant was never going to factor into their rotation or their long-term plans. I think they just did it for the draft pick and that's it. Um, okay. and, and possibly just Ilyasova veteran, veteran presence on the team. Um, I don't think Ilyasova is going to play a ton. I don't think he'd play over a, game, a guy like Saric. I, I, I just don't see it. I know the coach has already said Ilyasova will get run, but let's not forget Ilyasova can also play the three. He's not just a power yeah. forward. Um, so I think it's more veteran presence, uh, but mainly the draft pick. Let me say this quickly about Ilyasova. He signed a five-year, $40 million contract with the Bucks in July of 2012, which he is still on. He's been traded to the Pistons in June of 2015, <laughs> traded to the Magic in February 2016, traded to the Thunder in June of 2016, and then, of course, traded to Philadelphia earlier this month. Thank you, Bucks, for messing that up and just sending Ilyasova on his way. I mean, it's kind of funny how a bad contract essentially can just – affects so many other teams down the road and obviously the teams don't have to participate in this poor contract and this contract is becoming more manageable now this year than it ever was in the past but it's just pretty funny that 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 contract you know came back around on four different teams in the NBA. Well the only team that traded for him with hopes that he would actually be a long-term member of Mm -hmm. the team were the Pistons right and I mean they almost immediately realized that wasn't going to be the case well, which i think is funny because because van gundy likes a stretch four i mean that's ryan yeah. anderson was yeah. you know the prototypical guy he wants and you're never going to get a ryan anderson again because it's really one of a kind but i think urson is going to be a pretty close version of what you're going to get out of a stretch four like ryan you, you, anderson. you've Whoa. seen more of urson than i have though he doesn't play much defense does he 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 is the best player in the nba at taking charges he is that hands so. down it's not even close <laughs> yeah He's, he's always like top two or three in, in charges, and he's very, very good at it. It's insane. Um, but, yeah, he's not like a, a stifling defensive presence. No. Um, so, Ken, there's not like a lot of reason why. Um, no, but, you know, people aren't necessarily sold that the other half of that deal is even a legitimate NBA player. So, I don't okay. know. They got some thinning out to do, and I think you could bring up a good point, Ken, in that Maybe they just sit back and see who offers them a good deal because I think they do need to be open to everything besides moving Embiid. But you never know if something comes down the road where an offer they can't refuse, like for a DeMarcus Cousins or something like that, maybe you got to roll with it. I just assume they think they're going to get some sweetheart deal before the trade deadline. And maybe they're waiting for some contending team to have an injury where, you know, that'll make more of a panic move somewhere else. I don't think any of these guys, though, are really ready to be in pressure situations. So uh, uh, I've never liked what Philly's doing. I I believe there's less than a 1% chance they would move Embiid. Um, I don't think they'll ever – I really don't think they'll trade him. Um, Okafor and Nerlens, I expect both of them to be traded. I think the way the team has handled both players this year um, is – enough evidence there that they don't have those two players in their long-term plans um unfortunately it's kind of put a ding on their trade value because most most teams are going to lowball philly now but i do i expect both those players be traded maybe maybe one before the deadline this year the other one during the off season but i don't think either will be long-term in philly there's a hot take for you all right let's keep it moving here 
Uh, last week, we, or well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about season long pickups. Um, let's quickly go through that because we also are going to get to our Friday FanDuel DFS picks as well. In shallower leagues, I'm noticing that George Hill um, for the Jazz was not somebody that was initially drafted in a lot of shallower leagues, but in terms of fantasy, he's he's broaching top uh, top five point guard value. And Burke's not coming back, so right. there's more minutes, right? Yep, it looks like Alec Burke is not going to come back, um, or you know, not anytime soon. Um, so George Hill, somebody that I think in, in even shallower leagues need to be owned across the board. Do you agree with that, Shannon? Yes, I do. I mean, he's top 20 player through the first four games of the season. Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, I mean, he's shooting lights out. He's about 55% right now, hitting about two and a half three-pointers per game, 21 points, four and a half assists. So just I mean, lights, how, lights out. Um, how perfectly were the Jazz set up to get even a mediocre point guard? That's like That was always their biggest missing piece with Exum's injury, and now I don't know how slow Exum's coming back. I mean, George Hill must have been salivating when he got dealt there. Yeah, definitely. And and the the situation for him to be this productive early in the season with Gordon Hayward out, like just mm. makes so much sense. So I here's the thing. George Hill should be owned in pretty much any what's the shallowest fantasy league you can do? Like an eighteen league? No I'm, one's no one's doing below eighteen, right? They're not listening to the pot if you're in an eighteen league. If you're in an eighteen league <laughs> and George Hill's available, I'm picking him up like yeah. I, I'm picking him up and running with him, but keep in mind his production's going to drop when Hayward returns, which might be in a week. I'm in a six-team league, very big rosters, but he needs to be owned in that league as somebody who's actually in a six-team league. Uh, six-team like, league, you're the one, hey, or the one of six. Hey, hometown leagues, maybe you guys can attest. Uh, to this. Yeah, like, yeah. Just kind of whittle, like whittle down, whittle down, whittle down over time, and it and it's tough. We don't really want to open it up to randos because we, I mean we still have a strong core of six, but you know what? You you got to start recruiting more at the Twinkie Dumpster. Yeah, you need more friends. <laughs> Come on, God. nobody gets nobody gets that. Nobody gets all that. the loyal fans of the pod. Love your Twinkie Dumpster story. I, I'm making T-shirts. All right, Dante Exum, quiet down over there. <laughs> Exum. All right, uh, a couple more guys. That it's I my think... job to mispronounce foreign names. That's on my resume. <laughs> He's Australian. That doesn't count as foreign. That's a. That's not the U.S. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, T.J. Warren is somebody that I think again, um, right alongside George Hill, should be owned in all leagues. I think he and, has uh, the sm- starting small forward job in Phoenix. From now until the end of the season, traditionally Phoenix has rolled out P.J. Tucker, but P.J. Tucker is back. He's healthy. He's not starting anymore. I think it's Warren's job to lose. And how long do they put up with Dudley starting? You know, like, yeah, there's minutes galore. Right. I mean, I mean, this is a team that they're just not going to compete. They're already one of the worst teams in the league, it seems, through the first couple weeks of the season. I think you've got to roll out your young guys, get as much out of them as you can, give them reps, uh, give them experience, and that means starting T.J. Warren. I mean, he's starting now. I think there's no reason why he'd move to the bench at any point this season, right, Shannon? Because this team is not going to compete for a playoff spot. No, they're absolutely not going to compete, and T.J. Warren's going to continue to get heavy minutes, 36 minutes per game right now, averaging 22 points, 6 rebounds, 1.8 steals, um, only half a three-pointer. That might go up a little bit. Uh, but he's top 40 fantasy player right now. He's owned in 78% of Yahoo leagues. That should be in the 95 percentile range. Um, 10-team leagues, if he's sitting out there, definitely go scoop him up. Hey, 
No, in that six-team league, I mean, I, I'm saying like he's he's owned in that league, and I picked him up, and he's yeah. he's he's good. I mean, he's the thing is that he helps you out across the board. He's scoring a lot of points, but he gets you steals. He even throws in a block here or there. Um, he's he's really good. The problem last year is that. He, he got hurt and he just fell off the face of the mat before he really could catch on like Devin Booker did. But if he would have been healthy last year, we would be saying Devin Booker and TJ Warren. We wouldn't just be saying, oh, Devin Booker is their future. We'd, we'd be including both of them. And I think even just a few more weeks down the road, we'll be saying TJ Warren and Devin Booker's team in the future. Moving on, we'll look at Eric Gordon and KCP. If you could only add one to uh, a 12-team league, Shannon, um, to your team, which one would it be? Both helping out with the threes this year. Only one. That's tough. Um, mm, it's Eric Gordon because of the high paced um, pace, the high pace of the Rockets, and just the fact that he's going to score. A lot, he's going to score decent point totals, hit a lot of three pointers. Um, KCP is highly undervalued fantasy player. Last year, he was a top seventy-five roto player. Um, I expect that to continue this year. There's going to be inconsistencies in games that we've already seen him go out and put up duds and have you know score like four points. Um, so people cut bait on him. But long term, he's a solid player. Eric Gordon, uh, KCP, Rodney Hood—they're all the same type. You know, even um, oh, I'm forgetting his name, uh, Gary Gary Sanchez, Gary Harris, uh, <laughs> even Gary Harris from from Denver. Those guys are all in, kind of in the same category. They're only going to score 12 to 13 points per game, but they're going to hit over a three. They're going to get over a steal. Percentages aren't going to hurt you. They're all kind of interchangeable. Anyone you want, you're fine with. I like KCP a little bit more than most probably because I'm a Pistons fan, but I think there's a lot of upside with him with his three-pointers and his steals. If I'm in season long, though, and there's not much bench space, I'd rather go with KCP just because – the injury Gordon's not going to stay healthy not at this pace never and not at any pace and we know Stan Van Gundy just plays his youngsters you know, until they pass out I'm sure KCP is going to continue with 33 plus minutes a game um yes so I do I kind of I'll, I'll be the contrarian I'll learn lean to the piston let's look at Brooklyn quickly we already talked about Sean Kilpatrick but is he somebody you're considering for a 12-team league. We're talking about shallower leagues. Obviously, I, I'm going to hold off in that 16-team team, or 16, uh, excuse me, 16-team league um, that I'm in on Sean Kilpatrick. Uh, also, Trevor Booker. I, I'm not really sure how to handle this Brooklyn team on the whole because their minutes are already spread out really weird and actually pretty thin from their starters and to their bench. It's almost like they're going through a trial basis the first couple weeks of the season. Maybe... They First couple months, probably. Yeah, I mean, maybe they identify a core that they want to work with moving forward. But right now, it seems like there's ten guys that legitimately have a shot to play at least 24 minutes um, on a nightly basis. I, I'm I'm kind of handling this with kid gloves and just gonna sit back and wait. Um, but are you ready to dive all in on Sean Kilpatrick? I am. Yeah, I, he's about 45 percent owned on Yahoo leagues. I'm I'm picking him up. I'm in any 12 team league. Um, 10 team leagues he's worth consideration again it just depends on who you have to drop I'm I'm lucky enough to have a crappy guy like Toledovic on my roster <laughs> so, so I can drop him for Kilpatrick um, but again I, I said it earlier I would drop Della Vadova for him all right let's uh 
let's move to deeper leagues now. I don't want to spend too much time on this. So I'll just read off the four names that are kind of rising to the top of my waiver wires in my deeper leagues. Um, and then, Ken, if you want to jump in and tell me which of these four options you think that you would um, put the most interest in for the rest of the season. Matthew Della Vidova, CJ Miles, and then two Laker guys, Lou Williams and Nick Young. Does anybody stand out to you out of those four? I go Williams, consistent threes, good free throw shooting. I don't mind Miles for a month or two, but you know he's—I don't think he's going to keep his minutes. But he always puts a month or two of solid production, and they've got—they need scoring off the bench. Yeah, yeah. Miles never seems to put a full season together. I agree that you know he's one of those guys that for like two weeks you're like I got to add this guy, and then you you add him, and then he just wastes a what roster spot. Tough thing for me is that you know Williams and Young fight against each other, and if if they have an even spread, I think you got to give the advantage to Williams, like you said. But not much love for Della Vadova on this podcast from either of you guys so far. I mean, of those four, Della Vadova is the one I want to keep. You can, it, you, ten, 10 points and six assists is good. I think he'll probably end up sticking around 10, 11 points per game. The assist will drop some, so you know maybe four and a half to five and a half. But that's still good, that's, and I expect that to continue, even if he's only playing 25 to 28 minutes a game. I like him more than the other three options there. All right, fair enough. I think, I think I'm think i probably going to lean towards Della Vadova too. The thing about Williams, though, is that those three-pointers made, I mean, he's giving you five three-pointers over the last couple of games. I think, and he's giving you nine assists over those two. So if he can, like, weirdly have that same amount of assists and offer you more three-point coverage than Delhi can, um, who knows? This is a new Lakers team. Um, so Lou Williams could have even more value than he's had in years past. So I wouldn't be surprised, Ken, if Williams ended up being the best out of those four. Although I think I'm going to lead towards Delhi because I, I think I know how many minutes he's going to see from now until game 81. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's go on to a Friday DFS. Um, so let's quickly on a broader, uh, broader and then we'll, we'll kind of zero in on a couple guys specifically. But who scores the most points tonight? If you're looking at it, the top dogs tonight, I'll list them off. Um, and then, Shannon, I'll let you step in and tell me who's going to be the top DFS score tonight. Anthony Davis at home against Phoenix. Kevin Durant is going to head over to Staples Center, face on the Lakers. Damian Lillard taking on Dallas in Dallas. John Wall taking on Atlanta, but in Washington, D.C. Chris Paul then at $9,000, and then it goes on accordingly from there. I'm assuming the guys I listed off are going to be the top scorers, but then again, I didn't even talk about Blake Griffin or Steph Curry. Who do you think will be the top dog tonight? Yeah, it's tough. I actually am not going to pick someone from the Golden State-LA game. One reason, Golden State played last night, second game of back-to-back. And two, I just expect it to be a blowout. So while, while Durant, Curry... You know, Draymond Green can still go out there and post 50 fantasy points. I don't th- think one of them is going to have the monster, like, 65-point effort because it'll be a blowout. I mean, it's similar to, like, what we saw. Durant had an amazing night last night. He still scored 59 fantasy points. It could have been way higher if, if the game was closer. Um, but I, I don't expect this game to be very competitive, so... I'm going Anthony Davis. You've got two of the worst teams in the league. It's going to be played at an extremely <laughs> fast pace. Um, I He's averaging 58 fantasy points per game right now. I know it's tough to, to consider like anyone ever topping 58 fantasy points. That's that's a ridiculous number. He's coming off a, poor, a very poor game against Memphis, but this is exactly the type of opponent you want in a, in a bounce back. So 
give me Anthony Davis. I think he's going to put put one of his sixty point efforts together tonight. Then, if we're looking at who will be the biggest disappointment tonight, it sounds like uh, I'll ask you, Ken. It sounds like Shannon might be hinting that somebody like Kevin Durant or Steph Curry might actually be one of the bigger disappointments tonight because of their.